רדיו קול רמה 102.3 FM ממחנה רמה בברקשיז. We are here in our second episode of צוות חינוך, שומעים קהילה. I am David Goodman, here with me is Rabbi Scott Barton and Alexander Eisen. It's great having you here in the Ulpan, in the studio. Welcome. Good to be back together with you, David, and Alex, good to see you here in the studio. Thank you. So today we will continue to speak, to ask, what is the community, is the Jewish community that we are coming from, is the special and unique community that we are trying to build Here in camp. Last time we were together, we spoke about an individual's soul's willingness, readiness and consciousness to become part of the community, to feel oneself a part of the community, to feel oneself building the community. Boneki uh, la. We, we, took, we took off from that expression that is on the name tags this summer. speaking with Rabbi Ethan Linden, the director of Camp Ramah, and asked him just why that expression made it. And he told me a little bit about his choice this year. He said, everyone here, no matter what their job, is really building community and has to consciously think about building our kehila, building our community, and being part of that. And I think it really resonated with me because of uh, the fact that I, I like intentional living. As a Jew, I like kavanah. It's always with a certain amount of intentionality that I found myself either engaging in certain of the rituals and the mitzvot as they exist, and also in terms of the importance of people that I made my life with, whether it was during the summer, Margishim Kaitz Bavir, right, at Camp Ramah, or in a congregation in the synagogue community or when I went to Israel I was consciously connecting myself in and feeling a part of the holy community of the Jewish people and wanted to not only be a part of it myself but really as we said last time listen to others and gain from others outlooks experiences and And put myself together with other people around me to engage in all of what we can define in a larger sense as hakila um, looking out for each other working for great causes and I always felt this was uh, an obligation and not just a choice yes um, I, I feel that uh, like uh If you are uh, looking at it uh, from like a perspective of uh, philosophy or political science, uh, th- there are two main schools. There is the one that um, we need the Kela because without the Kela we won't survive. So there is no choice uh, because it's, it's the only way for survival. Uh, but actually uh, th- this is a very difficult way to to look at the Kela because if the, there is no choice to be there th- there is also no real purpose like I just want uh, to continue my own life so I'm gathered uh, with other people so they will protect me But actually, uh, the more uh, volunteer uh, kind of a community says, no, man could have dwelt alone. And he won't be under any sort of risk or something. 
he would just live like like a natural life but men can do better and so community is is a matter of choice but it's also giving a new kind of purpose so actually if you will take it so that the school that says it's unnecessary gives much more content to the idea of a community right because a person has to have intention towards making the connection and for more than survival I suppose uh, to rise above that other kind of outlook you you brought forward and that is there's got to be a reason why we come together and to live with a sense that I not only connect intentionally uh, for survival but for something more that I can reach only together with the others around me is at the core I think of what it means to be a Kehila Kedosha the kind of notion that we attach this term Kedosha holy to the community puts us in uh, a line to embrace our destiny kind of in a Salavechik philosophical Rav Salavechik kind mm-hmm. of philosophical way that we don't let life just happen to us and we don't just survive it's not fate it's our destiny to take up this conscious community building Bonimkila in order to achieve what goals we have in the, for, for the future as we understand them from our texts and also to live out some of the values that we've been teaching as a Sevet Chinuch I don't know if you can pick one or two of the values we've been teaching to really think about how it sets our Chanichim and our entire camp into motion to try to achieve some greater purpose other than just survive right right I, I think uh, oh yeah it's there we go okay you can hear me oh good um I, I think that um something that has been really important and I think I've seen a lot in um in our uh, sort of Kedah Chinuch, if you will, um, is uh, the exp- constant expression of uh, sort of gratitude and how that forms uh, a bond between not just us as teachers and our students, but between the Chanechim together. And uh, I, I think, or at least I see from their writings and when, when they talk to each other uh, greater intentionality on that point uh, than they might have had coming into our classes mm-hmm. um, I think that extends really gratitude yeah. not just to thank you, you you're really no, of course not. Uh, enhancing my experience here but I, I'm really learning about you and I'm grateful that you're here at camp with me right and I think that um, increases their enjoyment and I think enjoyment is something that you shouldn't shy away from. You should say that enjoying something, like having a, a, a joyous experience, is key, mm-hmm. even. Like, I, I think that we're sometimes we're afraid in communities to say fun is a bad <laughs> word, right? Yeah, you're making me think of a, a beautiful text from Rav Hirsch, Rav Samson, Raphael Hirsch, in, in terms of enjoyment mm-hmm. and, and pleasure in it all. Like T-Bone Egg. Mm-hmm. He says that each of us in a community is like a tree, a fruit-bearing tree. And as our fruit matures and as it grows and it's so beautiful and it's ready and ripe and it's there for the taking, right? Is it there for you, the fruit? Mm -hmm. Or are you now bestowing in the orchard of Mm. this community fruit for Mm. others to enjoy? Mm. And, you know, imagine when you bite into that the juiciest peach or uh, the best apple you've ever tasted or people who love apricots, you know, like they're a certain breed, but uh, <laughs> you know, like that beautiful yellow apricot and, yeah. and, and you make that bracha with such gratitude. Mm. But really, when you enjoy another person's presence, when mm. you enjoy really something you didn't, you learn something new f- from someone or you just have this wonderful time, a little simcha, a little joy mm. with mm-hmm. each other, it's actually that you're a fruit tree bearing fruit and you're helping others really gain the nourishment and the joy they need from these experiences and and Hirsch goes on to explain that it's not just that you decided to walk into this orchard into this garden Mm. 
he really says uh, explicitly that a person has an obligation as a member of the Jewish people to be one of the trees in the great orchard, the mm. holy orchard of the Jewish people. Mm. And that when you bear your fruit and you share your fruit, that's one of the most delightful experiences, both for you and for your fellow community members. Uh, there is a very nice transformation uh, in the words of the Hebrew language between the ancient Hebrew to our days, mon- modern Hebrew. One of the great examples is the word chaver. Mm. In the times of the rabbis, chaver meant a rabbi, a meant a teacher. Chaver was a member of this elite club that know how to create a drashot. Then Haver became just a member. Like a member of something is a Haver Bemashu. He's a, a member in something. But now the most common meaning of this word, Haver, means friend. Mm. Friend. Mm-hmm. Because it's not about the different. Uh, kind of uh, levels of our society. Mm. And it's not about the different clubs that, mm. uh, um, that creates our society. It is about this inner drive that mm-hmm. we are coming to be society and we are coming to be Kehila. And actually the translation of the word society to modern Hebrew mm. Is Hevra, is Hevra. We are a group of friends because our friendship, this is the most original motivation of us becoming a community. So when we are saying Haverim Kol Israel, so first of all, we hope that all of Israel will come and become a Talmidei Chachamim as well. But first of all, the relationship in between ourselves right. is a relationship of friendship. Right, and I, I think it's a relationship that we need because we need context with each other. To, in order to understand each other, we need to understand who you are uh, and who I am in relationship to you. So I think that, sort of, for me, that informs even more the, uh, the the verse or the, the line in the, in the Talmud, right? Chevruto um, mituta. Because I think that in order to understand our place in this universe as single individuals, we need to understand what what type of society we want to build. Which we want to be.
driven by the stories that we have around ourselves. And, and I think one interesting part of that is uh, just, uh, just to co compare um, sort of the story of uh, King David and the story of Heracles and how the different types of challenges are similar, not the same. Um, but I think that just shows how our societies, even you know, the Jewish society likes to tell stories about its own society and learn from that, right? They learn moral lessons, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought that I would introduce a story from uh, Rebbe Nachman, uh, and I'll just give the short version of the story. There we go. Right, so <laughs> the short of the story is that uh, there's this story of an emperor and a king, and um, this emperor and this king realize that they don't have progeny, they don't have basically a son or a daughter to further their uh, role and so they're really worried about this and they basically meet by happenstance as, as stories like to put it in a tavern and they both you know identify each other as royal or regal in, 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 in some way and they disclose this fact and then they decide oh well if uh, you go home and you have a daughter, and if I go home and I have a son, they will, um, we will uh, marry them together, and that will be that, and then we'll be set. And um, so what happens is they forget about this oath that they have with each other, and uh, they do have a daughter. The, ki the, the king has uh, a son, and the emperor has a daughter. And then they... Uh, both of these, this daughter and this son, they go and learn. And what they don't know is that they've been promised and they're learning by the same teacher. So they fall in love and they promise uh, one another to each other, right? So now it's sort of this idea of um, fate and this idea of um, promising each other. And uh, so what happens here is then they get separated, sorry, they get separated right before they get married. So again, a separation point. And the daughter of the emperor um, stays by the sea and uh, to cut a long story short, she gets a boat and she travels to all these different types of locations while she tries to keep um, keep the promise that she promised to the the king's son. So she gets a lot of offers, tons of offers, and different things happen during the during the this type of uh, sailing voyage, which sort of reminds me now what I'm thinking about it. Reminds me of uh, Odysseus. Mm -hmm. This is travels, um, but what I think um, for me this idea is sort of a searching and there's some danger in searching but there's there's some promise in searching because the end of the story is that she does uh, find the son the king and they do get married so mm. there, it's a sort of a happy ending but um, life is full of different things and, I think and we are not always l like a community is not necessarily One someone place. that I'm close to like right. sometimes the the breed the covenant that uh, creates the community right. could be very much hidden right. but the connection will still be there right you have to find that connection so the onus is on you to uh, create community and I think that's for me that's where the obligation is the strongest because, um, you know, as it says, it's not good for, for a man to be alone in Genesis. So, uh, and I would apply that to all human beings. It's not good to be alone. And that's a fundamental quality. And I think that's what, for me, that's why in the story when she's traveling, she meets a bunch of people and she takes them with them a ride because she doesn't want to be alone. Right? 
And so community can be wherever we find ourselves in the world. But the obligation is on us to find it in the world. Yes, and it's always like looking for the rest of the, the counterpart. It's yes. like there is a, a midrash about Avraham hmm. uh, because it says uh, and it's a big mystery. Who are those people? How come? And, uh, and the most expensive perfume of the day, of the days of the rabbis, is called parsemon. Mm. Parsemon is like, uh, it's like the perfume of the gods right, back yeah. then. Um, and um, they're saying about Abraham that he is like, a battle of Parsemon. Mm. And when wherever he goes, it's like a magnet. There is he's always collecting because, because he's always going toward what what is the essence of the mitzvot that we learn from Avraham? Achnasat mm. Avraham is an avad. He is a refugee. He's always walking and and uh, traveling the land. Mm-hmm. But but you think that uh, someone that just travels will be the guest? But no, <laughs> he's walking with an open tent yeah. because he's walking to find this encounter. Mm. And in this way, the midrash says. He is a parsemon because wherever he goes, he creates the scent mm-hmm. that uh, that leads the community around him. But the community is never reached its limit. It's always need to continue because there is always some more faces to meet. Mm-hmm. The the entire bridge from Reb Nachman to Abraham Avinu that we just we just you know kind of folded the earth like the Midrash about Yaakov we folded the years of history and we have Rabbi Nachman meeting Abraham Avinu and Sarah Menu in their tent so here we are with our great 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 grandparents and a couple of decades or centuries ago kind of folk and we're all sitting around and we're sitting here in the station and it's like they're here with us right now and Alex, about the point uh, you made in terms of stories and the stories we tell, um, we tell those stories to learn, to learn values that we want to apply in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like this search that they're on, the, the king and the emperor, the, the royalty in the world below and the emperor on high mm-hmm. and the son and the daughter, each of us uh, down here, we're searching for each other and we're searching for a relationship with God. And maybe that's... Uh, the value that comes out of there. Always be on the search and look out and every stage of the journey, create your community. And then, uh, David, your story, Abraham, Sarah, they open their tent on all sides. Uh, and the Midrash is, make sure to mention that Abraham and Sarah each have their own kind of beautiful way of creating community. It's one of the features of that story. Yes. But on the pedagogical level, you know, we are the... And sometimes we, we teach things very straightforwardly. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt do that. The Torah mm-hmm. teaches it like that. But mm-hmm. other times we insist on stories because right. from the stories we can learn the kind of ways that we want to behave in the world mm-hmm. and intentionally take on those greater character traits of our ancestors. That's not to say they aren't presented in real human light. Mm-hmm. They have their faults, we have our faults. Right. This is a beautiful kind of recognition we make from our perspective at Camp Ramah and in our communities. But when we tell those stories and we commit to retelling those stories and learning those stories from one another, mm. we literally bring in mm. the generations, door vador, mm. vador vador. Mm. We bring in the generations and those people become part of our Kehila Kedosha. Mm. Yes, and, because... A community is a community of people, but 
Every group of people is also a group of stories. And when we are talking about intergenerational group of people, so it's just a bank full of stories. And I think that uh, there is like a, what we will call a canon. A canon is, is like a treasure full of different stories that, uh, uh, that really lead us. Everything that we are doing reflect to something that happens and to something that will happen. Mm-hmm. And, and this story lives with us and, and we are, in some sort of way, being part of a community is to know that your own story is a variation of some other story that you are echoing. I just remembered this beautiful, beautiful moment uh, at Yakar in Yerushalayim, one Shavuot. And Reb Mimi Feigelson, mm-hmm. beautiful soul. Yes, Mimi, if you are listening, we love you. So Reb Mimi, toda, toda. This has stuck with me all these years, many years from the 90s when I was in Yerushalayim. She said, remember, remember, after we're going to tell all these Hasidic stories tonight, that Asipor Shelcha Zea Sipor Hasidi Beyoter. You know, that you also have a Hasidic story, that your story is a story of deep faith and connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine this, practical level. What does it mean to be a Bonet Kila? Go ask somebody, what, what's your favorite story? Mm-hmm. They say, what do you mean? One of my stories or a story from our tradition? Mm. Your, <laughs> your favorite story? I just want to hear you tell... Have, well, they say, maybe you... Uh, I don't know. I shouldn't tell that story. You've heard it from so many people before. My poppy, my, my grandfather, David Bolton, here he was. He had a big green cigar in his mouth and, <laughs> and glasses, and he was a milkman like Tevye. He was like my own mm. Tevye. Even if someone wanted to tell him a joke or a story from the tradition mm. that he already knew, he would say, oh, but I never heard it from you. Mm. <laughs> I never heard it from you. Yes, because a part mm. of the idea that is not only what story, because this refers that there is the story as something that, that, that has a form, but it's not only the story, it's how you tell the story. Mm. Like uh, if we are speaking about folklore, mm. folklore is a national uh, form to tell stories. It's coming from an age in which stories wasn't locked in the books. It was a tribal way to, to communicate and And it was never only about what happened to the characters. It's about how we tell the story. And what do you want to emphasize? And what do, you, do we do while we're listening to the story? And all of this comes together because a story is not only the text. It's a performative matter. And the community is, is not only... The names of the people, it's how we perform right. our communal life. Right. I, I have a tendency to think that you, when you're listening to a story, you're not just listening to a story. Um, you're uh, writing yourself into the story. So, you know, there's a, for me, there's always been a big difference between listening to a lecture by, in academia or just sitting... And listening to a tale of it could be what one of my friends did last night or it could be a Hasidic story right and I always found it found it easier to remember the story because of the way uh, I think at least my brain works when it comes to narrative learning um, and I think it it, it it attaches to something that's a bit more primal. That you were talking about about uh, um, it being more uh, basic right? mm-hmm. the, the element of, of storytelling and just the knowledge and the way we convey stories I think is something that brain is hardwired to remember much better one of the best 
storytellers of our generation is Bob Dylan. Mm. And one of the best characters of his stories is Mr. Tambourine Man. <laughs> story for everyone they say that the Baal Shem Tov 
used to take many, many hours to pray. And we spend a lot of time praying here. And the Baal Shem would pray and pray and pray, and many of the followers, many of his Hasidim, they would get hungry or tired, and some would remain until the Baal Shem Tov finished, but others went home. But uh, one day, he started his prayers, and everybody knew he was going to be saying very long prayers, Karagil, as usual. And they decided that they were all just going to leave. You know, there was not a day that anyone could stay. And they saw the Rebbe walking away. He finished up his prayers that quickly. And everybody's in shock. And they run to meet him and they say on the way, they say, Rebbe, you, to the Baal Shem Tov, they asked him, you who pray hours and hours, we're all there together. You finished so quickly today? We left? That's it? And he related this parable. He said that one day there were many people who were standing near a tree. And one person spotted a most beautiful bird in the tree and wanted to go reach it, wanted to be really right next to that bird. But in order to touch that bird or reach that bird and to really look this creature of God in the face, since there was no ladder, he needed the group of people, one and the next and the next and the next, to stand on each other's shoulders so that he could reach the bird's nest and ultimately reach the bird. And the Baal Shem Tov looks at him and says, uh, when I'm standing in prayer and we're all there, it's on your shoulders that I'm standing. Together we're there. You're bringing me to such new heights. My tefillot, they get higher and richer and more poignant. And I can taste my prayers when we're there together. I can see the beauty, the beautiful, the beautiful bird, which is sitting at the entrance. In this Baal Shem Tov story, he says, sitting at the entrance to Sha'ar HaMashiach, to a, a world yet to come. A world yet to be built, let's say, for our purposes. You could hold out and hope for the Mashiach. But when you're not there, I have no one's shoulders to stand on. And so the Baal Shem Tov explained that the next time maybe they could really have renewed kavna to make this ladder to heaven together the next time. To behold the beautiful bird to behold the world that's possible yet to come. Isn't it just so powerful to be right there praying with the Baal Shem Tov? You know, the openness we have to those stories, I think, can make us so much more than even our own minion mm. to hear at Machne Ramah. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine going to your Makom Tefillah at Machne Ramah and there, there's the Baal Shem <laughs> and he's saying, make a ladder for me and you're one of the people. Don't try this, by the way, and get on each other's shoulders. I'm not saying <laughs> climb on each other's shoulders, but that's the kind of commitment we need with one another because who knows who's really going to see the bird any morning. Any one of us could be, like we're saying about stories, Put ourselves in the story. Any one of us could be the Baal Shem, yeah. master of the good name. Mm. His name is as such because each of us has a connection with the divine name, the divine letters, the Hebrew of the prayers. And we need people on whose shoulders to stand, lift mm. us up the day maybe we need to pray that mm. someone in our lives gets the healing they need or we ourselves need strength to overcome a challenge or we want to express our joy in the deepest way that we can only do if everybody's there really lifting us up, right? Mm. Actually, you're saying the Baal Shem like, is the good divine name. And... Um, if we are looking at 
the origin of תפילה שב... תפילה במניין, of praying with the community, part of the idea is if you want to use the name of God, if you want to say דבר שבקדושה, how dare you to say such a thing by yourself? Like, only when there is a group of people that are concentrating together so you can create a ground for the name of God to be said. And the moment we don't have this community, so even the name of God got erased from our land. So it's like creating an atmosphere. So... Getting to the idea of community is something that really creates a mikdash me'at, really creates the possibility for us to build, to build an altar, to build a temple, to, to worship not, not only as... As individuals, as something that uh, I have my own connection with God, but mm-hmm. as there is a connection between God and my world. Mm-hmm. There is a connection between God and my world because in that letter of the Hasidim and the Baal Shem Tov, it's not only the Baal Shem Tov climbing this ladder to see the bird on top of the shoulders of his Hasidim. Mm. You need to le- the ladder because God want to come and join us. Mm. Mm. You know, there's an interesting history about prayer in the community. We, we like to sometimes go to our, our you know, beloved scholars to really think about the history of tefillah b'kihilah. Let's say tefillah b'kihilah instead of tefillah b'tzibor. Tzibor is public. Tefillah b'minyan, a minyan is ten. Tefillah b'kihilah. So let's coin a new phrase here. And we do that right at camp. We all have our places that we pray. And um, the prayers in their forms uh, we have now were incredible poetic architecture uh, liturgies that Chazal created and that really came to be in use in prayer quorums, in other words, when the kihilah could get together. Mm. Well, what's interesting about even an individual who can't get to the minion, the overwhelming majority of traditionalists um, who wrote some of the codes that we had saw a possibility to say, well, maybe then prayer would or should be different. For the individual who's praying, and the decision was made, no, it's still going to be that the individual should two things: use the liturgy that says "Anachnu" all the time, we, 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 as a community, mm. connect him or herself to the community, and two, that it should even be preferably said at the time that the minion is getting together. Mm. That if you have to pray alone, why don't you, in a conscious way, connect with the community at the times that they're praying? Mm. And use the language we and express this sense of connectedness to the community through the very liturgy that makes up the core of your prayers. Hmm. I think that's it's, it's very interesting. Um, oh yeah. <clears throat> to me, that's very interesting because uh, I was reading something today in, in uh, I think it was Likute Alachot about. Uh, sort of our obligation to be the best people that we can be so don't think that just because you don't have a minion or just don't think just because you're not the most brightest person in the room that you couldn't someday be right meaning that um, shoot for the stars And uh, aim for for the best possible world 
right? Even when you might be in a situation where that's not possible, do the best you can. And I think that praying at the same time that your kahila does, even though you can't be there, signifies that, right? Because you're signifying that, that, that communion, right? That the fact that you want to be with your community but can't mm. for some reason. That's, that's and, and that might be because uh, you, you have, uh, you know, technical issues or that you, you know, have actually more severe issues of Look, you're in you the know, MARP. You can't get right. there. You're in the MARP or, or, you know, those type of issues. And I think that trying the best you can. Yeah. It doesn't negate the fact, by the way, you mentioned the Gute Alacha, the Gute Alachot from Rabbi Nachman, and you told the Rabbi Nachman story before, Alex. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't negate the fact that in Hishtabchud Nefesh, yeah. Rabbi Nachman uh, says about turning over your own soul that God is interested in your personal prayers. There has to be individual space. Right. There has to be times that individually you really do get your own prayers in order. And he even says, say it in the language you feel most comfortable with. God will hear you. And he suggests either having a place in your own home mm-hmm. or getting out to the woods. Right. Get to the meadows and go right. pour your heart out. Right. And practice hipodadut. Right. Go out there and be alone with God and be alone with your prayer life. But that's not in place of a very, very deep obligation to prayer in the community. And again, I think we're at this question. I don't know, David, you, you, you talked about this issue before. You know, is connecting to a minion, we know from the sources it says one is obligated to really be there, to go to the synagogue day and night Rambam mm-hmm. will write that very explicitly and, and yet we have free will and yet we can ch- choose to be part of whatever community we would like and people use the term a lot these days I'm part of this community I'm part of that community but we're talking about Kielakadosha here mm-hmm. and we're talking about obligations how do I overcome maybe sometimes A my, my will to resist mm-hmm. being part of it mm-hmm. and B um, why do we think that the tradition did obligate us? Why didn't it just say, wow, what you could do with a group, mm. get together? Mm. Why is it an obligation? What do we do with that? And yet we have free will to choose into communities that we want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very long love and hate relationship with prayers in general and especially with the idea of tefillah b'minyan like on a regular basis it's for sure it's part of the most difficult part to of be of uh, observing Jewish life I hope the chanichim are listening I hope everybody at camp is listening because it's really true we all have a deep struggle with with saying obligatory prayers even those of us who are there every day with tefillin on Yes. Uh, prayer life is not easy. So let's let's just say that out loud. Yes, yes. And um and it's not that I got to a final solution, not at all. This this consists struggle still happens. Though along the way I found some good sides of it. And I will give two Stories, two, two examples. One of them is the idea of a keilah. We talked about how together we can reach the sky. Uh, but another part of praying in a keilah, it's the safety net, is that you can fall but you won't reach the ground. And um, I became a father a year and a half ago. Masato, Masato. Yes, yes. And uh, finding a time and a way to pray with a little baby is quite a difficult thing to do. Don't you just you wrap the baby around your arm seven times? <laughs> yes, I'm plugging the, the pacifier and that's all fine. Um, baby uh, But... Uh, but I th- uh, even before I, 
I felt it a bit, but being a parent helped me to understand that there are so many different functions that happen in the synagogue. Synagogue are not, is not only for the people that are coming to pray with the best kavanah. Synagogue means that if we want to do tefillah, tefillah is made from the people that are praying with a lot of kavanah and the people that are praying in an auto, automatic mode and the people that are just staring R- running after at, their babies yes there are people that are running after the baby and the people that are staring at the wall and just dreaming and the people that are talking behind the people that coming in the people that going out and, and, and the prayer continues because the prayer is not his prayer or her prayer the prayer just happens mm-hmm. and, the, and this is one of the beautiful things that being a father in a synagogue helped me to understand that uh, tefillah is not about moving these words from earth to heaven tefillah is about happening about something that's happening in real time and it has different peaks different highs different lows and it just happens and uh, you can go in and you can go out to run after the daughter and you can come back it's in about the people who are there the minya yes the members the, the back to the orchard the the, the the beautiful trees with all their fruits the different uh, looks Um, experiences the different stories who are gathered mm-hmm. yes and uh, this is uh, the first thing and the second thing is if we are going back to tefillah in camp mm. it's uh, right also in general but here in camp I think it's specifically right tefillah in the morning is the first thing you are doing mm. As, as, a, as a group and here in camp it's really creates the atmosphere of the of the day it's the opening it's it's before like it's like God creates a place for us to get together to start the day together mm. so it's not that we are only getting together to worship him mm. it's him coming to us to help us to understand that uh, we are here and we are here together and it's a time to in the beginning of the day to start the day together and in the end of the week to come to Kabbalah Shabbat and to reflect on our week together and to take these voices and this energy and to raise it back up mm. and with this note we will come to the end of this amazing second episode episode of story episode of prayer episode of a lot of kehila here in Kol Rama, 102.3 FM. Anachnu Shomim Keila, Ani David Goodman, with me Alexander Eisen and Rabbi Scott Bolton. Short story, it comes with a song and talks about Tfilah Betzibur, is the story of the Minion Man. in Mobile, Alabama The sun was slowly setting on the bay 
It was six o'clock on a summer Friday afternoon. Shabbos was an hour away. I walked around the town wondering what to do. Shabbos is no time to be feeling blue. Then I saw a man who looked the same way too. I was quite relieved to find a fellow Jew. I asked the man I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me there used to be a minion around, but one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos, minion man? Avenue, a block, then two more, and went into a shop that read closed on the door. There was a minion in the back of a hardware store. Nine men waiting for one more. We ushered in the Shabbos with a beautiful song. The chazan had a voice that was clear and strong. We sang out as one all Shabbos long. Then my riv came again. I had to be moving on. I asked the man. I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me there used to be a minion around, but one of us passed away, and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though. about it now and then cause the place is still dear and when I make this trip through Mobile once every year I remember the men who prayed here now the minion is gone a few diets have moved on but the back of the store still remembers this song the nine men who waited the one came how Shabbos was carried on a song. I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Minion man, oh, won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion man? Please, won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion man? שתיים נקודה שלוש FM. כל יום מרגישים